This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Good morning. Yeah, and good morning online, too. So, so glad that you're here. Now, I figure that you're either here because last week I said I'm talking about sex today. Yep. Okay, see, there we go right there. So that's, that's good. So let's just get the, kind of get the elephant out of the room. Everybody say sex. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. And so I mention that because also on the top of your worksheet, it's just a little note to parents that um, it, you are the ones that make the best choice if your students should be uh, younger kids in, 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 uh, in today or online. So we're going to be talking about things that you can deem if they're appropriate for, you, for your students. So, but we need to talk about it. I really think we do, because we're in this series called Truth Matters, and where you get your truth matters. And there's a lot of quote-unquote truth about sex being um, 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 promoted today that is not a biblical view. And we're going to talk about that in, in just a few moments. But next week, we're going to be wrapping up, well, kind of wrapping up the series. Actually, we're wrapping up in two weeks with something special I want to tell you about. But next week, we'll be talking about how do we help our students? How do we help our, our um, younger students and older students navigate this world um, with so much coming at them that is in opposition to a biblical worldview. So we're going to be talking about that. And here's what I will say. I don't think it will start with where some thinks it, think it starts. So I'll just leave you with that. So that's next week. It starts in a particular area, and we'll talk about it next, next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, um, I've asked Dr. Tom Fizemeyer, who some of you know, to join me uh, in a Q&A time, um, um, addressing um, questions that you have um, regarding um, the series. So it might be issues of life, pro-life, we talked about that last week, it might be issues of uh, sexuality that we're talking about today, or maybe parenting, or whatever issue, biblical worldview. And so two weeks from today, we'll be addressing questions that you have. So the number is on the screen, 360-209-8040, Mario just talked about that. And if you text the keyword questions in, you'll get a form back to submit your questions. So we'll likely have to take them and kind of clump them together so we kind of hit all, all the themes and so on. But so questions also on your worksheet, the QR code there, if you just aim your little camera on your phone at it, it will bring up the website too. So you can do that at any time um, in the next week or so. And uh, that's going to be a good, a good Sunday. So, all right, are you ready to talk about sex? Okay, a couple rules as we go along. Um, 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 no fair for any guy to, if you're sitting beside your wife, to kind of elbow her. You can't do that during this talk, okay? So that's illegal from here on out, all right? Um, and and for, uh, for the most part, you know, everyone always kind of looks straight ahead, and it gets really, really quiet, but I don't actually mind amen every now and then. Okay, well, every now and then. Thank you very much. So, all right, here's an apple. You probably saw that. So an apple, and here's what I'd like for you to do. I didn't provide you a doodle space on your sheet this time, but just think about the apple for just a moment. And how would you describe this apple? Shiny? Red? Is what? Delicious. Good job. Yeah, it's, it's all of those things, right? It's actually a pretty nice apple. And so um, um, some of us describe it as delicious. Some of us go like, uh-uh. I don't do apples, right? Because you had a bad experience with an apple 
or too many apples maybe, see? And uh, so you, uh, you go, nah, no apples. Some of us go like an apple a day keeps the, yeah. And so what we do is go, hey, the apple pie works, right? So apple pie every day keeps the doctor away. I don't know, but we look at this apple um, through the lens of our experience. Think about that for just a moment, because before we talk about sex in just a few minutes, I want to again talk about the absolute necessity to talk about these issues through a biblical worldview. And so we'll talk a little more about that. But we look at this apple and we either go, it's good or it's bad based on our experiences. It's the lens that we look through that determines our beliefs and our, our values. And that's the point. So if we've had a bad experience with an apple, maybe you bit into it and you bit a great big juicy worm. Right? Have you? And you go like, I will never eat an apple again because of that. I, I, I read a story this past week, or just, I think yesterday, of a gal who picked up, I think it was a bag of chips in the store, and there was a little hole, and a snake popped out. <laughs> now, just tell me, are you ever going to buy a bag of chips again? No, never, never. Anyway, so, you know, you, the lens you look at, this apple, or the lens you look through, really, in all of life, it may be good, it, it may be bad, um, but what is true about the apple is true with our life. The lens that we look through determines our belief and our, and our values. And we tend to look at life, and we tend, we tend humanly to determine our beliefs and our values based on our experience. So if we've had a good experience, it can look good. If we've had a bad experience, it can, it can look bad. So we've talked about the absolute necessity to have a lens that looks at the world through the Bible, what the Bible says. Um, it's interesting to me that in a Barna study many years ago, 57, or not many years ago, 57% of Americans said that awareness of what is right or wrong, just listen to this, that awareness of what is right or wrong is a matter of personal experience. Did you get that? 57% of Americans said that what is right or wrong is really based on my experience. So as I look at the apple, right, I experienced, had a good experience, had a bad experience. It's a good apple. It's a bad apple. It's how we look at life, 57% anyway. My personal experience dictates what's true or not true. If I ask you what's wrong with that, you would have a really, really good answer because what it means then is like, your experience determines truth, or my experience determines truth. And if we live that way, we're going to have a huge problem. Because our worldview is the basis for making daily decisions and is the point from which we form our beliefs and our values and we live out our behavior, it's absolutely necessary that we always begin with the Bible, asking the question, did you know what it is now? What does the Bible say exactly right? And it's absolutely necessary for you and I to have a biblical worldview because it's the Bible that guides us through life and through these difficult topics and life choices that we are presented with now each and, each and every day. The Bible is our guide. Now, um, those of you um, from California, you know, some of you won't admit it, but this is okay. Um, <laughs> But, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. You got saved. You moved to Washington State, right? And so here you are. But um, um, I've made a, you know, not very many trips, actually. Some, some, some down south there to California. One, one trip, we were warned about something. 
we were warned about the fog. And we were in Bakersfield, and there's this thing I read about, Thule fog. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, the phrase not Thule fog, but it's ba- basically very, very, very dense fog. And if you, if you go to Wikipedia, here, here's what you see. You, you, you discover that visibility can go from like 10 feet, like from here to maybe the end of that light thing there, to near zero, like zero in like immediately. And that happened, like and there was this huge pileup of cars in 1997, Unfortunately, five people died and 28 were injured. It took 26 hours to clear their wreckage. It was all due to this very, very dense, dense fog. But one of the local news stations gave this advice when you suddenly don't know where to go. Or you're wondering, you know, where do I exit? How do I get off of this thing? Here's what they say. Follow the white line. And that's what I was told. So if, you're, if you get caught in this very, very dense fog um, and you're going to exit, follow the white line. It will lead you off of the freeway. Here's what it says. Slow down and focus on the right edge of the road. Follow the white line. It is safer to follow the white line on the right side because opposing traffic can make it difficult to see the line marking the center of the road. Follow the line. Focus on the white line because it will guide you to a safe place. Think about that. And think about the life that we're navigating right now. We need a guide that will lead us, that will guide us in the way that's right, in the way to go. Psalm 25, verse 5, I hope that it's one that you have committed to memory or you keep close to your heart, is really our theme verse for this series. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And I've offered it as this, both a prayer and a commitment. So God, guide me as I navigate this life, and as you lead me and guide me as I commit to your wisdom ways, I commit to following you in all of life. Now, before we get to our topic today, let me kind of throw in a, a, a sidebar as we, as we look at the Bible in all of life. Um, we have to read the Bible understanding the difference between descriptive and prescriptive. What do I mean? When reading the Bible, we have to understand that there's a difference because often we're reading about an event or life that the Bible describes and it's not, doesn't prescribe. It's not description or prescription. What do I mean? There's a lot of things in the Bible. There's things that you will read where events and situations are described, but not necessarily prescribed for you and me to live out. Let me give you an example. David and Goliath. It's a story that you know well, right? Yeah, you, uh uh-huh. So Goliath is this big dude, and he's defying um, Israel, right? People of God. And he's shouting all kinds of things, you know, and whatever he's shouting, and Likely, you know, um, making fun of them and, and all that. And remember what he said to, to David when David shows up, the thing, do you think I'm a dog? You know, this, all of this stuff. And David shows up, and uh, you remember how he goes out, and he collects what? How many stones? Yeah, and he hits the giant with one stone, and the giant's dead and kills him. So that's, that's an event that's described by the Bible, not prescribed for you and me to live out. You get the point? So we're going to deal with people in our lives who are defying the ways of God. It's not good that you pick up a rock and throw and hit them in the forehead. That's 
It's not a prescription for the way that we're to act. You can go to the New Testament and see the, the, the church described in Acts, right? Chapter 2, um, where they met in homes, right? Describing the early church. Not necessarily a prescription, right? There's nothing wrong with meeting in homes. But if it were a prescription for how we're to do church, then we're all in violation of Scripture right here in person, right? A home, you're there. So difference between description and prescription, just keep that in your mind. Now, let's talk about sex, okay? I knew it would get silent. I said, don't do that. Don't get silent, okay? We seek guidance in issues because we need a guide to navigate sexuality that's being presented to us today. Some ask the question, why, why does the church talk about things like sex? And I think that's actually a really, really good, good question because I can think of a lot of different things I think I'd rather be teaching today than sex, right? But here's what I want to say. Where society seeks to normalize behavior that is neither right nor biblical, the church and followers of Jesus must address it. You see? So where society um, says, you know, like, this is normal, and we go like, whoa, 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 that, that's not normal, right? We must address it. So if society were trying to normalize, it's okay to steal your neighbor's car or your neighbor's catalytic converter, right? And saying that's okay. We go like, uh-uh-uh-uh. In the Bible, we're going to read this verse. actually speaks about thievery and so on like that, or we know that. It's wrong to do. But where society tries to normalize behavior, and certainly the whole area of sex, sexuality, um, things are in opposition to the Bible, are seeking to be normalized in our culture today, we must, we must stand firm on the Word of God. But how we do so is critical. Society is attempting to normalize sexuality that is clearly outside biblical principles and what is right and good for society. Now, I believe that parents have the main responsibility to be talking more about that next week to teach your children a godly view of sex. But the church is to join you in teaching biblical values, not popular ones. There's a difference. If mom, dad, or mom, or dad, depending on if you're doing this thing alone, um, if you're not teaching your kids, or if you're not exposing them to biblical principles on sexuality, society will. Media will. Social media will. The, your, their friends and school will. They'll teach influences. They'll teach sexuality that is outside of what the Bible says. And so we'll be talking more about uh, helping our kids navigate ne- next week. So where does our thinking on sex begin? I think that you would respond by saying it has to begin with the Bible. It certainly doesn't begin with man's view of sexuality. It can't. We can see the results of man's thinking today. If you're just following the news or you're just following social media at all, you can see where it's going. We'll talk about that in just a moment. It has to begin with the Bible. And what does the Bible say? And the Bible, I believe, has much to say. As followers of Jesus, Christians, our focus in our mind is to be set on the things of God, not the ways or ideas of man. And this is an exhortation from Scripture. We're going to look at it. We're to set our mind or our thinking on the, on the, on the ways of God. 
asking, what does he say? How is he guiding me in this life? Not on man's ways. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3, first beginning with verse 1 and through verse 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, and then this word set or focus, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So what are we reading? We've been raised with Christ. We're to seek the things of Christ, and we're to set our minds and our hearts on the things of Christ, not the things of this world. The Bible clearly teaches as followers of Christ who have been raised with Christ, or some of you read the NLT version, I have that one as well. It states it this way, raised a new life in Christ. Our focus changes, the place where we set our mind or our thinking or what we allow to be our guide in life changes. Our brand new life in Christ, or as Paul states it, our life hidden with Christ in God is also a life lived out on earth. So though we're brand new people, though we have a brand new life in him, we live out this life on earth. So as we live out our new life, we set our minds or we focus our heart, our minds on Christ, not on the things around us, because the things around us are seeking to pull us away from what the Bible teaches us. So our thinking, right, is upward as we live outward. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I do happen to be one of those guys that every now and then I'm just thinking like, wouldn't it be cool is and this is probably not really true, but I'm going to say it anyway. But wouldn't it be cool is once you become a believer, like you are immediately raptured. And like you don't have to navigate this life outward. You know, that, that's not God's design for any of us. That's God's, not God's design for the church. We're to live here. But while our thinking is upward on him, we live our life outward. So we're in this world that is seeking, right? Always, it's always intention of the things of God. Our thinking is upward as we live outward. So Paul continues in, in verse 5, and so this is what he says. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, our topic today. Impurity, lust, and evil desires. Now sometimes, actually, in life, we, kind of, we put a period right there. But you know, the Bible actually goes on and talks about a lot of things that should not be a part of a believer's life. Some of these things we don't like to talk about. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So talk about greed. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage, and malice, or malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And don't lie to each other, for you've been stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, or like clothes, put them on, and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him in this new life 
it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. That's good news right there. That's the gospel story. As, as we live this life outward, we are not alone. He lives in us, and because he lives in us, we are free from these things. We are to be free and live free from these things. So our, our focus today is on this area of sexuality, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Now, I, I will say this. It's easy for us to focus on the big sins. We'll call the big sins, right? And forget about the greed. And forget about, you know, don't lie to each other. And forget about the malicious behavior or slander or dirty language. But we're not to do that. And we're not doing that. To say we are focusing in this one area. But let's don't be those people that begin to point out the big sins in other people without taking a moment, like, God, just do your work in my own life because i got my own issues. Amen. Amen. I was going to say a pretty good place to say amen. <laughs> Our beginning point is God's good creation. God created sex. Uh-huh. God created sex. And what God creates is good. Always good. God created sex. Sex is one of God's good gifts to be experienced within the marriage relationship of a husband a man, and a wife, a woman. God created sex to be experienced within the marriage relationship. Let me say something I didn't say last gathering, and maybe I, I should have. It, it doesn't matter to me how a person is born, what your view on that is. For some people, they might be born this way or, or that way, or with this inclination or that incl inclination. It doesn't really matter to me how a person is born. God says, look, this is how you live out your life. And in the area of sexuality, this is how you live it out. And I establish the boundaries of how you live out your sexual life. And it's to be within the marriage covenant, marriage relationship of a husband and, and a wife. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. How do you be fruitful and multiply? I don't need to answer that. But as with all of God's good gifts, the gift of sex has been distorted by man's thinking and misused, and the Bible calls it sexual immorality. God's good gift of sex has been distorted and is being misused by society today. Sexual immorality. And as a result, man has moved away from or stepped away from, has let other things into their life that moves them away from God's most wonderful and perfect plan for them in this most intimate area of sex. Have nothing to do with those things. What are those things? Talk about it in just a moment. Sexual immorality or pornea, right? The most general Greek word for illicit sexual intercourse. Originally denoted the practice of, of consorting with prostitutes, but eventually it came to mean habitual immorality. 
sexual immorality involves any type of sexual expression outside the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage relationship, that is marriage between a man and a woman. What we're seeing in the world we live in today as we try to navigate this this life is a view of sexuality being lived out in many forms that stands in absolute opposition of the Bible and is contributing to the moral decline of our society. What's it look like? Let me just give you a few. There's a long list. Gender fluidity. I can be a man today and I can be a woman tomorrow. Gender expression. Do you know how many gender expressions there are? Anybody want to guess? 15? 100? So I Googled it, right? Depending on who you read. Between 58 and 72, and likely more. Gender identities, right? Personal pronouns that may or may not reflect biological sex. Homosexual sex. Or have you heard of intergenerational sex? And some of you are going like, did I just hear him say that? Intergenerational. One author said, spoke to the controversy over intergenerational sex. I'm thinking, controversy? And the list could go on and on. And as a result, more and more people are settling for sexuality far below God's design and purpose and in ways that are dishonoring of God. Remember, sex is God's good gift to a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. But many are settling for a life of of sexuality far below God's good purpose for you and for me. In 2019, we wrote um, a public statement on biblical sexuality, Gateway's public statement that I want to just share with you today. As followers of Jesus, the Bible calls us to uphold biblical standards in all of life. In matters of sexuality, Gateway affirms a biblical view of sexuality in all human relationships. Gateway believes the Bible speaks clearly to the area of sexuality and that matters of faith and conduct must be evaluated on the basis of Scripture, which we believe to be the infallible Word of God. Sexual relationships inconsistent with biblical guidelines are to be viewed as unscriptural and therefore not condoned or affirmed. These include adultery, fornication or sex before marriage, homosexual relationships, polygamy, pedophilia, bestiality, incest, pornography, polyamorism, transgenderism, and same-sex marriage, prostitution, and voyeurism. And I suppose there's probably more we could add. Gateway welcomes all people and treats with respect, compassion, and sensitivity those involved in relationships inconsistent with the Bible. We are commanded to love all people and endeavor to do so as best we can following the example of Jesus while leaving the final judgment to God. End of that statement. Now, it's important for us to deal with something, um, I think, and at least have clarity and understanding on the difference between um, acting out and the temptation or the urges to act out in these areas, because someone's going to like, whoa, you just read a list. And 
It's important to make the distinction between sexual behavior, such as homosexuality or the temptations or inclination towards um, same-sex relationships, and temptation. We understand that any sex or sexual expression outside of biblical boundaries is sinful, but the Bible never says it's a sin to be tempted. In fact, here's what we do know, right? The enemy is hard at work seeking, right, to kind of pull us away from God, the things of God in this area, and he tempts us. He's the tempter. But some live under this condemnation because of temptation. You go like, I'm just not this, or I'm just not this, I'm just, and that is, that is not true. The Spirit of God lives in you. He tempts us, but it's because of him that we have the grace and the power to resist the temptation of the enemy. We all deal with temptation. One of the commentaries that I, I go to said it this way, the only remedy for sinful passions is found in the believer's experience of union with Christ, a union by virtue of which the Christian dies to sin and to the world's way of thinking and doing. So it's a good, good pause maybe to just think about where we are in our relationship with Jesus. Have we made that that commitment to him, is he our Lord and Savior? Because that is the only remedy, the gospel story that we are all about sharing. It's the only remedy to the sinful passions that believers experience, can experience. It's the only passion or the only remedy is our union with Christ. So hope is in Jesus. Amen. So where do we land on the issue of sexuality? What do we, what do, we uh, do? What do we, what about those who are dealing with sexual temptation that falls outside of biblical guidelines? Well, I just want to remind you of our three C's. I think they've helped guide us um, throughout this series, biblical clarity, right? So we want to understand what does the Bible say? That's the center of our worldview. What's the Bible say? Biblical clarity, biblical conviction. And once I know what the Bible says and I stand on the word of God, but I do so with biblical compassion as well. That's the way that we, we live out. So let me walk us through our beliefs, our values, and our behavior as we consider this area of, of sexuality from the Bible. So you remember our world view, right? Our circle that begins with what does the Bible say? And then what about my beliefs? How are my beliefs formed by what the Bible says? Here we go. Um, number one, I believe I'm a new person. My life is hidden in Christ. I am safe and secure with him. The enemy cannot drag you away. I am safe and secure with him. I believe sex is a gift to us from God and to be experienced within the boundaries established by God. That's what I've mentioned before. So this whole area of sexuality, God says that maybe is what you're being told is right or you may have this inclination or that inclination, but I've established the boundaries of sexuality. I believe God created sex for procreation and unity between a husband and a wife, Genesis 1.28, Matthew 19.6. I believe God designed sex to be an act of pleasure by which a husband and wife bond physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They become one. And all the husbands said, okay, all right. I believe Jesus reaffirms the divine creation order in Genesis 1, 27 and 19, 4. 
What about my values then, based on my beliefs? So the Bible forms my beliefs. My beliefs form my values. I value my new life in Christ and submit to him in all areas. And in just a moment, we're going to pray because we're going to submit all of our life to him. Not just sexuality, but in, in all areas. I submit my life to him in all areas. I value the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. And if, if you're in a marriage relationship, if you value the institution of marriage as defined by God, that means that you're going to do something about your marriage, that you're always going to seek to honor him and to honor your spouse. I value the gift of sex within the confines of marriage. And I value the opportunity to honor Christ in all of my life. My values, based on my beliefs. What about my behavior then, based on my beliefs and values? My behavior aligns with and expresses itself consistent with Scripture. So how I live out my life. Remember, we focus upward, but we live outward. So as I live my life outward and in various relationships, will always be consistent with Scripture. My behavior toward others struggling with sexual sin is consistent with the example of Jesus and one of compassion. So remember, biblical clarity, biblical conviction, and biblical compassion. My behavior toward the opposite sex will be God-honoring. My behavior toward my spouse will reflect my love and my commitment to God. My values are formed by my beliefs. My beliefs are formed by what the Bible says. And so I'm going to ask you a question this morning. And it's this. What area might there be that Jesus is speaking to you about right now? If you're in a marriage relationship, what's Jesus saying to you? We talk about honoring your spouse. Guys, we talk about not, and gals too, we talk, talk about not letting things into our lives or into our homes that are dishonoring of God, that, that seek to lead us away from his good purpose, his good gift, particularly in the area of sex that we're talking about. Um, if, you're, if you're in a relationship, is your relationship honoring of God? Because it's a great opportunity to live out this life in a way um, that, that points others to Jesus. It's a great opportunity. So do you value the opportunity to live out your life in a, in a godly way, in the way that he calls you to? Um, maybe you're combating um, sexual temptation. Is this a moment that Jesus say, look, just, gi just give me that. Like, I'm your strength, right? I'm, I'm the one who, will, who, who has come for you. And I give you the grace and strength of my spirit, and you gives you the power. Maybe, maybe that's you. I'm not asking to raise your hand. I'm just saying, what is Jesus saying to you today? Or maybe it deals with biblical clarity, or maybe biblical conviction, or maybe it's biblical compassion, because maybe, just maybe, you, you might be the first per person to go like, hey, the way that David dealt with that giant, that's the way I'm going to deal with my workmate. And you just need to give that to the Lord, right? Biblical compassion, whatever it is. But here's the deal. We have such an incredible opportunity to live out this life in, in a way that's God-honoring. And as we do, I believe all the forces that are, that are seeking to pull people away, we, as we stand firm, I believe they'll be defeated. I do. Because I believe as the church, as we stand 
on what the Bible says, the enemy will not prevail. Amen? Let's stand together, shall we? I'm going to pray. I, I think maybe today, maybe questions have surfaced. Please use the questions thing in. We'll respond to those the best we can. But in this moment, can we just submit ourselves? Can we say, God, I just want to give my life to you. And I'm going to give you this area of, of my life. And I, I thank God for forgiveness, right? So if the enemy's condemning you for something you've sought forgiveness of, like you just need to like remind him of who he is or who he isn't. How's that? Right? You're a son and daughter of Jesus, right? So we kick temptation to the side. We kick that old life to the side. Um, and we focus on him. So, Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to just dive a little bit into your word and explore what you say about this area that we're navigating today, this area of sexuality. And so, God, I, I thank you for the gospel story. God, you came, you sent your son Jesus into the world. You died for us. You set us free, and we set our hearts and minds on you. We live in this world, but thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to live out this life in a way that's honoring of you. And so we submit to you. And for some of us, uh, we might be making a brand new commitment this morning to submit this, this area of, of sexuality to you. Maybe we're dealing with the temptation of the enemy and we feel condemnation. God, I would just pray there would be release from that. You don't condemn. I, I pray, Father, that we'll be able to live out this life in a way that honors you in all of our relationships. So we submit to you. We value the opportunity to live for you. In all ways, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
is my 